Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and welcome to Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfeld. We're continuing our series today, Wisdom Matters, with a message titled, Counsel to the Gullible. So turn in our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 8, verses 1 to 36, as we join Dr. Newfeld now. Proverbs 8 begins with the words, does not wisdom call? You know, up till now in this introduction to wisdom, we've been told to go and get wisdom. But if it costs you all you have, you need to still get it. Purchase it. Make whatever sacrifices need to be made. Memorize the key lessons so that when sudden choices confront you, you're ready to respond. Do it now when you're young. That's the preparation for a life well-lived in the presence of God. And now in our text, suddenly the image changes. Wisdom is seen almost like a street preacher calling aloud in the streets looking for converts. But it's not really a street preacher. It's a woman going through the streets looking for lovers. Now, I know that sounds risque. I mean, after all, we've just had a vision of the adulterous woman, so it sounds wrong. But wisdom's not an immoral woman. She's a righteous woman. She's not calling for sexual trysts. She's calling for people to come and find life. Wisdom, which is a feminine noun, is now pictured as a woman calling out. I think what Solomon has in mind here is that the young man understand that wisdom is more readily available than he thinks. It or she is crying out to him. She's inviting him and urging him to come to her. It's almost as if you have to rebuff her if you want nothing to do with her. Now, is that so? Yes, it is. You know, one of the wonderful things that God has given every human being as a part of being in his image is the knowledge of actions and consequences. I mean, we see that in history. We see that in the decisions of nations. We see that in our family, among our friends, and in our own personal lives. We see that decisions lead to consequences, and thus, it's natural for us to hear the call of wisdom. Wouldn't it be better to make decisions that lead to better consequences. And that's the call of wisdom. Come, learn from me. We may hear her call or we may walk away from her call. Now, this does take time. And many of you will say, you know, my life's too busy. You know, I have my job, my marriage, my family, my, you know, my money, my health. You know, I've got some projects. You know, I even have a ministry at my church. I don't have the time to learn and memorize God's commands about wisdom. So I want to give you four reasons why you should put learning to be wise on the top of your to-do list, not on the bottom. I want to give you four reasons why you should take the time to learn to be wise, even if it means that you have to leave some other things undone. So here's the first reason. Wisdom is available to all, and therefore, it's available to you. You can get it. Let's listen to her full call, Proverbs 8, 1 to 4. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice on the heights beside the way at the crossroads? She takes her stand beside the gates in front of the town at the entrance of the portals. She cries out to you, O men, I call and my cry is to the children of man. Now, the fact that wisdom is heard on the heights and beside the way, that is, the pathways where men and women travel, and that she stands at the crossroads where decisions need to be made that will direct the course of one's path or one's life, all of that tells us that wisdom has not been silent regarding her call. 
The gates of the town that are mentioned here are the places in the ancient world where the elders would meet to conduct business, settle disputes, and make decisions for that town. That is to say, wisdom is calling in the halls where politics are being carried out. She calls out in the courthouses of the land, even in the Supreme Court. Indeed, wisdom even calls out at the portals, that is the gateways where people come in and go out and where they embark on life's journeys. And all that to say is that there really is simply not one place in any facet of human affairs where wisdom is not raising her voice and saying, don't make decisions without me. Choose that which reflects the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, and also that which leads to long-term good instead of long-term disaster. Think for a moment of what happens when countries embark on an economic policy. You know, in some cases, they have borrowed to such a degree that not one citizen is unaffected. Is this not done by telling Lady Wisdom where to get off? that we only want immediate results. We don't care about the fear of the Lord and the long-term effect on people yet unborn. But wisdom is still calling. So that's the first reason to seek wisdom. It's available. Now the second, wisdom is the most precious thing you can possess. Proverbs 8, 5 to 11. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth, wickedness as an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Notice several things. I mean, first of all, in verse 5, notice the word prudence. Oh, simple ones, learn prudence. You know, in the Hebrew, that word means the capacity for insight in the management of your affairs. It means the ability to plan your affairs with the end in view. It means being premeditated. It means acting with an insight into how your actions will turn out in the future. But the premeditation is for what's right. It's never for what's twisted and crooked. Premeditation for the good. You know, I've noticed something when I drive my car. I I sometimes see people following a car that has, you know, signal lights on indicating a left-hand turn. And you know where they're going. Perhaps they're even going to come to a, a full stop depending on the traffic that they encounter going the other way. But sometimes the car that's following the car signaling left, you know, the car following suddenly slams on the brakes at the last moment because that car never anticipated that the car ahead of them might well stop. That's because the eyes of the driver following has not been up looking down the road. They had no capacity to anticipate what was going to happen on the road, and it can easily end up in an accident, for they never know that not looking up makes them susceptible to accidents. See, they see only the immediate, not the other way around. And a lot of people live life that way. They react to the immediate. They form opinions based upon today's events. They do things because it will get the desired impact now. And then inevitably, although they can't see it, comes a cascading effect of what is for them unforeseen consequences. But for the wise, it was always entirely foreseeable. If only they could anticipate and see down the road, but they can't. They live in the moment and their emotions are mastered by the moment. 
That's unwise. That's foolish. You see, wisdom, according to verse 11, is worth more than silver, gold, and jewels. In our language, it's worth more than a multi-million dollar lottery jackpot. That's because there is, according to our passage, nothing twisted in wisdom. There are no backroom deals in wisdom, no subtle distortions of truth. Instead, wisdom has insight into the management of your affairs. It knows what decisions mean down the road. That's worth far more than money. Notice to whom wisdom is calling, to simple ones and to fools. That is, she's calling to the simple ones, or another translation, to the gullible. You know, to be gullible is to be accepting of so many things, things that should be rejected. Let me suggest an easy example. I have now for some time gotten repeated messages on my cell phone. It's either from my credit card company or it's from the federal income tax department. All I need to do is respond and give them my financial information. You know, wisdom is calling to those who are easily duped by numerous things and inviting them to be wise. So two reasons to be wise. Number one, it's available to you if you want it. Second, it's the most precious thing you can possess. And now third, wisdom keeps us from rash decisions with bad consequences. Wisdom will protect you. Proverbs 8, 12 to 16, I wisdom dwell with prudence and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. We notice that wisdom is now speaking. I, wisdom. She, she has a name. And she dwells or lives together with someone else. Shrewdness or discretion, perceptiveness, astuteness. The ability to, when making decisions, is to understand the nature of what's being decided. It's the virtue of the person who's deliberate. And so there's an implication here. Wisdom is saying that she can bestow discretion on anyone who loves her. And then comes the statement, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. We're never to think of wisdom in any other way than to think of it as beginning with an understanding that we live in God's presence and owe him reverent fear. We should all, if we're wise, be appalled at the idea that we might offend God. And says wisdom, you have to know that anyone living in the fear of God has a profound hatred of evil. If you love reading the weekly blogs from Dr. John and Company, then you won't want to miss out on Back to the Bible Canada's bi-monthly Truth in Life magazine. In it, you'll find articles from Bible teacher Dr. John Newfeld, Laffa Gaines, Phil Calloway, and other incredible guests, all with excellent, biblically-inspired insight. Not to mention the stunning images and visuals. Here at Back to the Bible Canada, the aim is to provide resources without barrier, to help enrich your walk with the Lord. That's why Truth and Life Today magazine is free to all who ask. To subscribe to the Truth and Life magazine and receive the next issue delivered right to your door for free, just call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca slash magazine. And thank you. It is due to the support of generous listeners that Back to the Bible Canada is able to produce and distribute Bible teaching resources like this to all who ask. The opposite of arrogance and pride is to fear God. 
Now then, this section is going to bring this all home to kings, nobles, and governors. I mean, in our day, we'd call them politicians. There's only one way to govern justly, and it is through wisdom, through the fear of the Lord, and through responding to the call of wisdom. And if these things aren't valued, either in the ruling class or as it is in a democracy in the population as a whole, we get rulers who are not wise. And then we complain bitterly, but the sad truth is this. We did not know that we must listen and then respond to the call of wisdom. Take away the fear of the Lord and the wisdom that flows from that. And the kings and nobles and governors are going to govern differently. So let's review. Remember, we're telling ourselves why we want to make the effort to learn wisdom. First, it's available to all. Second, it's exceedingly precious. Third, it keeps us from rash decisions with bad long-term consequences. Fourth, wisdom leads to enduring wealth and success. You know, anyone who spent any time in the book of Proverbs will have noticed that on numerous occasions, Proverbs combines wisdom with wealth. You know, for instance, Proverbs 14.24 says, The crown of the wise is their wealth, but folly of fools brings folly. And it seems to say that if you get wisdom, wealth will eventually follow. But that seems to contradict Jesus and the rest of the New Testament. You know, Mark 10.23, And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Or James 5.1, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. And so it might seem that Proverbs comes close to holding a view that might be roughly equivalent to the contemporary prosperity gospel, where, as Jesus and the apostles warn against becoming rich. And by the way, I can't help myself here, but I have to interject a thought. It's common in our day to hear someone say, it's not money that's the problem, it's the love of money. And so far as it goes, I, I agree with that. But where are the warnings that to desire riches cancels out someone's entry into the kingdom of God, as Jesus warned? Where's the warning that the rich should weep and howl because they've taken care of their own needs and used it to project their own power and have not humbled themselves to serve others? Yet we must rejoice that there are among the rich those who genuinely use their riches to serve others and advance the kingdom. But there are also many rich who pretend at that and then live lives of self-indulgence. Well, back to Proverbs. In the next section in which counsel is given to the gullible, the father now instructs his son about wealth. And I'm, I'm reading Proverbs 8, 17 to 21. Lady Wisdom, you'll remember, is still making her appeal. She says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. Now, this is a part of an invitation of wisdom. Come to me, says wisdom, and I will fill your treasury with wealth. Well, that's a part we're going to have to understand. But in order to do that, let's start at the beginning. Verse 17 begins by having wisdom say that she loves those who love her. There is a mutuality between the seeker and the one who's being sought. Love from wisdom and love to wisdom belong together. You know, Bruce Waltke points out that this kind of a statement is also made between God and those who come to him. For Samuel 2 verse 30 says, For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. 
You know, Waltke goes on to say that wisdom demands a changed human nature. That is what Jesus called being born again. That is, all in Adam have died spiritually, and that by nature now, we do not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. But when the Spirit causes us to be born again, we willingly accept the things that come from God. That brings us back to verse 17 of Proverbs chapter 8. Those who seek wisdom diligently will find her. Again, we can compare such a passage with Jeremiah 29, 12 to 13, where God is speaking. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's the born-again heart that seeks God fully, and that's a gift from God. And in the same way, the wisdom that comes from God demands that we respond to her and that we love her. Now then comes the first promise of riches. That's in verse 18. Riches and honor are with me, says wisdom. And then she also adds, enduring riches, which I take to be something more than the first promise of riches. And then she adds, as well, righteousness. And so we can see that she's promising four things. Let's take each one in turn. First, she promises riches. And that clearly indicates that wealth is inseparable from possessing wisdom. And so let's plumb that for a while. What does the entire book of Proverbs say about the connection between wisdom and wealth? And here the matter is just a bit more complicated than it first appears. So, Proverbs 13, verse 11. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. And so here we see that Proverbs is speaking against the idea of getting rich quickly. Wisdom says, don't do that. Now, Proverbs 28, 22. A stingy man hastens after wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him. So to hasten after wealth is to live the money-centered life in which getting money is what motivates you. Proverbs is against that. Proverbs 23, verse 4, do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. And so from those few examples, we begin to piece together a theology of Proverbs concerning wealth. Wealth is meant as a tool to care for one's own family and also to contribute to the lives of others. But one must not be motivated by money. Be motivated by wisdom. Be motivated by the love of God. Be motivated by ministry to others and blessing their lives. But if you are diligent in your work, and if you work wisely, and if you don't spend everything you get, and if you avoid a lifestyle bent on your own pleasure, you will in time increase in wealth. You'll be able to leave something for your children as well as care for the poor. And that's the lesson of wisdom in Proverbs. It's not just claim riches and shazam, you're rich. Indeed, stop claiming riches at all. Start claiming wisdom, learn its lessons, and you will find that she will care for you. Now, that's not at all out of keeping with New Testament and the teaching of Jesus. The second thing that wisdom promises is honor. And again, the idea of honor, that's also found in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 22, verse 4, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. That is, humble yourself before God. Don't seek your own way, seek his, and God will provide for you the kind of riches Proverbs has been describing along with honor. That is, your name will be well spoken of. Consider Proverbs 29, verse 23, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. 
Honor, then, is not looking to obtain recognition among men. Rather, it has to do with gaining recognition before God. And the way here is humility through repentance, abasing ourselves in God's presence and thinking others better than ourselves. I mean, after that, wisdom promises enduring riches. You know, it's an interesting word in the Hebrew, and sometimes translators wrestle with a proper interpretation of it. Some have suggested that the word should be translated as abundant, as in wisdom gives a great amount of possessions. But still others suggest that it should be translated as ancient riches, and others suggest splendid riches. And I mention all of that to indicate that I'm aware of the difficulties in translating this word, but also to say, I think our translation in the ESV is a very good one. The idea is that riches are durable. They stand the test. And so given that Jesus taught us that all riches of this earth are not enduring, and given that Proverbs agrees with that, It seems likely then that the enduring riches that are promised here are surely the eternal riches that the New Testament speaks about, that is, the riches that await us in eternity. And hence, when earthly riches fail, and they surely will, then know that those who dwell in wisdom are those that invest in a world that comes even if those investments cost them everything in this world. And that fits so well with what Jesus taught when in Matthew 16, verse 26, he asked what profit one would get if one gains the whole world and forfeits one's own soul. See, the final thing that wisdom promises is righteousness. It's time to make this personal. Are you content getting by with the immediate, taking no thought about the wisdom that leads us to God and leads us to eternity? I hope your answer is, I'm not content with immediate wisdom. And if that's so, Hear the call of wisdom and answer her call. Thanks so much for your message, John. You know, as you're speaking, I was thinking, you know, we live in a world this emphasis is really upon immediate gratification. What what feels good in the moment with little consideration for long-term good? That shouldn't be the perspective of the Christian, should it? Yeah, I mean, we cannot actually be a Christian without our eyes firmly fixed on what is yet to come down the road. You know, when we say God causes all things to work together for good, we don't mean good that is in this afternoon or so forth. We mean good within God's eternal designs for us. And in fact, you know, the resurrection of the dead is what is going to yet happen. That is, we resist sin because of the eternal consequences. So we're always taking the long perspective. Thanks, John. And remember to join us again tomorrow as we conclude our series, Wisdom Matters, right here on Back to the Bible Canada, Bible teaching you can trust. Do you ever find yourself wanting to spend time with the Lord in His Word, but don't seem to find the time? Well, here at Back to the Bible Canada, we understand some days are hectic and challenging. And that's why we would encourage you to check out our Back to the Bible Canada Bible Minute podcast. Each episode contains a one-minute audio Bible teaching message from Dr. John Newfeld, with new episodes Monday through Friday. These are perfect for those moments when you're seeking spiritual encouragement, but time is short. So you can download the Bible Minute podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts or visit backtothebible.ca slash apps. 
For more information, give us a call at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca. And thank you to all those who make Bible teaching resources like the Bible Minute available through your gracious gifts.